0: Alright, I'm not Greg Tipton. I'm, I'm the same old me. I'm Peter. I serve as the lead pastor here. Thank you for the applause. <laughs> you're not, I know you're not applauding that I'm not preaching, okay? Uh, I, uh, I want to welcome you. If you're visiting, uh, we are the Springs, and welcome. Uh, we like everyone to know we're a part of a larger family named Every Nation, and we are called to spring forth unto every nation with more Jesus by growing In being his disciples. Uh, Today we have a special opportunity. I'm going to introduce Greg. Pastor Greg and I have known each other for over a decade. He's an amazing man of God. Uh, He's been in ministry for uh, longer than me. It's amazing that he's been in ministry for 28 years, so that's like since he was six. Um, He's been in ministry... He is the, f- the founder and developer of our short term missions department with Every Nation, which is called 10 Days Missions. Uh, he is also the, d- he is the director of campus development for Every Nation, North America, which basically oversees missions, our, uh, our partnership department, our campus ministry, uh, and he also is a board member of this church. He has served and given of his time and his heart. Uh, prays with me on the phone every Monday morning, which is a high task to put up with me that much. Um, Greg has been married to his lovely wife, Suzanne, for 26 years, has two lovely daughters that are adults now. One's getting married this year, so he's got extra faith today to preach God's Word. I want you to welcome him out, Greg Tipton.
1: Thank you, champ. Thank you, champ. Wow. Well, it's great to be here. Um, I love this church. I love, man, this is a lot of folk today. I like it. Um, This is my new, I can't even tell you, 10th time here to San Marcos. I love your pastor. I love this great nation of Texas. Uh, My wife and I lived in Austin for about a year, and we just have great memories and great friends and uh, you know, it's really exciting. I just want to know how I can get a copy of that book, Hot Mama. You know, just so what whoever get, has an extra copy, I'll take a free copy. And, uh, you know, Suzanne and I have been here all weekend uh, with our students. We had a great night Friday night and yesterday and really talking about choices and talking about the choices that we make now are really, really going to determine our future, good and bad. And so um, I wanted to just kind of follow up that theme of choices, really, By and my title today is Choosing God's Heart for the Nations. Uh, Like Peter said, it was uh, almost 29 years ago where I had an encounter with God as a college student and really shaped the course of my life. And so you might hear it said in this church and really through our staff and different things, we believe With all of our hearts, and I believe more than ever, if we change the campus, we'll change the world. And so those of you who are young folk, you know, you can listen. Those of you who are older folk like me, I'm now in the category of over 50 and the older folk. But my heart still burns for the campus. My heart still burns for this generation uh, of what God is doing. And so there's been a lot happening in our family. Uh, Peter kind of hijacked some of my stuff, but... My family is here. My wife, who's with me today, 26 years. Here, turn around and give. stand up. Let me see my wife. Where's my picture? Yay! Wife, 26 years. She's just as wonderful as ever. Um, we are fire and gas. Uh, our lives are an explosion together, but we work through life and we work through challenges uh, because we know that God is faithful and love each other and have a great storm play- so where's my picture, man? Come on, keep it up. Well, my daughter on the left, my oldest daughter on the left, Caroline is 20, as Peter said, just got engaged several months ago, is getting married this summer. I don't know how it happens. They're not supposed to grow up this fast. They're not supposed they're supposed to live at home forever. They're supposed to need me forever. They're supposed to, but uh, she's got a wonderful young man, and so we're planning a wedding. Uh, She's a junior in college um, at Middle Tennessee State University. My other daughter, Coco, Courtney, is five months younger. You've heard the story. Many times we adopted Caroline, and in the process, we got, uh, my wife got pregnant, so they're five months apart. Some days they're best friends. Other days they're worst enemies. And so it's just life and it's doing life and working through choices and challenges. And so I just love my family. And uh, we live in Franklin, Tennessee, and it was a real challenge for us to come here on Thursday because we got six inches of snow snowed in, shut down. We would have been locked in our home with our girls. I don't know if that would have been good or bad, but it would have still been something. And so uh, it's just there. But you know, the Great Commission, as as we jump into it today, this morning, Matthew chapter 28, we know the scripture, we know the charge, we know what Jesus has told us to do, but he's told us to go into all the world. He didn't say, stay at home. He didn't say, hang out with your friends. He told us to go into all the, therefore, go and therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I command you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. There's three words I'm going to really talk about today. Number one, and really when we talk about the Great Commission, it's summed up in three words. Some of us can pray. Some of us can give. And some of us are going to go. We can pray. We can give, and we can go. Let's pray as we start. Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you for today. Lord, we invite you to woo us, to stir us, to shake us, to release us into your very best. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, leading up to this morning, and thinking about what I was going to say, and praying through this, you know, I, I was really thinking about the word partnership. You know, I've, we have been in campus ministry now for 28 years. We've uh, started campus ministries. As Peter said, we've gone on mission trips. I've led trips. We've gone everywhere. But many times as a missionary, it really comes down to a partnership, partnership with people that that go with us, and partnership with people that send us, partnership with people that stay behind and pray for us. But it really comes down to a partnership. A partnership uh, that that really what I see and define it is a partnership, is that that we do something together that we cannot do on our own. And really partnership, if you look at the definition, Old Webster defines the definition of partnership as this. It's a relationship between individuals or groups that is characterized by mutual cooperation and responsibility for the achievement of a specific goal. Let me say that again. Did you hear that? It's a relationship between individuals or a group or a church that is characterized by a mutual cooperation and responsibility. For the achievement of a specific goal. Jesus' prayer in John to the disciples in John 17 was that the Father make them one, even as He and the Father were one. That they would be one of cord. And, and so when we understand, when we talk about missions, when we talk about the campus, when we talk about God's heart for people, we all have a part to play. That we cannot just leave it up to the staff or leave it up to the pastor or leave it up to those people that are out there going, but we all have a part to play. And the question at every season of life is what part do we play? I've got three simple truths for us this morning. It's number one is that partnership with God through prayer, the choice of intimacy and trust. Number two, we're going to look at partnership with our hearts through giving. The choice of gratitude and generosity. And number three, the partnership with others through going. The choice of togetherness and adventure. Partnership with God through prayer. The parable on prayer, as Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, he was telling them a parable To show them that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Luke 18, 1-8. Saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city and she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterwards he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God, nor do I respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she's just going to wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice? Now will not God bring about justice to those who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I will tell you that he will, will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now he was telling them a parable to tell them at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. You know, September 8th, 2012 is a day that my wife and I will never forget. Still in my memory. It was 12:42 p.m. when we got the call that every parent fears. I was with we were together and Suzanne's cell phone rang. And there was a number she didn't recognize. And so she picked up the phone and on the, other, on the other end of the line, it says, is this Suzanne? This is officer so-and-so. I'm with Caroline. She's been in an accident. The ambulance is here and we're taking her to Williamson County, which is the hospital. She's had a head injury. And right out when he said that, Suzanne said, what? Well, ma'am, she hit a tree. Becoming increasingly but understandably alarmed, so we tried to calm. He tried to calm her down. Said, "Caroline's fine, but don't come here. But it'll take us a few minutes. But just meet us at the hospital." As you can imagine, both Suzanne and I were numb. We were we were paralyzed. Couldn't really muster up. It. I was thinking back at that moment. I couldn't really muster up my faith because it was like, man, I was just punched in the gut. Like, what am I going to do? It wasn't like I was. Banging heaven or praying in tongues or this. No, I was just, I was limp and I was paralyzed. Without a doubt, there was no question, my daughter's hands were really in the hands of the Father. As we arrived, she was conscious and looked okay, but all the scans came back. Until all the scans came back, we wouldn't really know what was going to happen. We were just holding fast to God's Word and His faithfulness. And I remember looking at the ER doctor and I don't know why I did this, but this is what I said. I looked at this doctor and I said, okay, doc, I need you to, I need you to shoot me straight. I need you to tell me what the best case scenario is. Now, I don't know why I said it like that. Normally I would have said, you know, what's the worst thing that could go, but there was something that happened. The first thing that came out of my mouth. All right, doc, what is the best case scenario? And he looked at me. He was kind of shocked. He goes, well, the best case is that, is that uh, she just had a concussion. And all the tests will come back negative, and, uh, that, that, that's And that's, that's your best case scenario. And I just looked at him. And I said, well, that's what I got. Because I got a covenant with God. And I just believe that God is with us and for us. And I just know that God's watching over my family. Well, as you can understand, you know, we went from test to test to test and and trying to look at everything. And I'll never forget, it was about six hours later. It was about six hours later when um, we came back and all the tests came back negative. And he came in after the time. He said, okay, what happened was that... Um, What happens is she just got a concussion, and all the tests are negative, and you just got your miracle. I get chills even thinking about the accident, as you look at the picture of the car. Basically, the car, because it was a wet night, and or a wet morning, and speeding, and And she wasn't speeding, but she hit a slick curve and it came and it with with force and 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 all this kind of stuff because of speed and velocity, she plowed about going about fifty miles an hour into an ash tree. An ash tree which is bigger than an oak that did not move. And I remember seeing that tree and and as I was thinking about all these things, that you know, why did the Lord graciously allow a surge of adrenaline to hit my daughter that before impact she basically went numb and didn't tense up why did both airbags deploy perfectly in a 12 year old car so she didn't hit her head but it acted like a huge pillow even as the f- car flung back 40 yards up on the road 40 yards 40 feet scary peter went 40 yards man that's huge <laughs> I don't want to exaggerate, it was real, 40 feet. (laughs) Why was it not at night? But it was right in the middle of the day so that what happened, when it happened, she could get immediate help. Why was it that so many stopped and called 911 and helped stabilize her neck until the ambulance arrived? The officer said at the time he got there, there were seven cars. Caroline and I both think they were angels because no one gave their names and no one stuck around. Caroline happened to be listening to Brandon Heath's song, Wait and See, and part of the lyrics is in that song is He's not Finished With Me Yet. And you just realize story after story, and as I was driving home with my daughter sitting right to the right of me, I just I was overcome with gratitude. I was overcome with emotion and weeping. And I felt like the Lord just whispered to me that all those deposits and all those hours of worship and all the times that no one was watching, when you just cried out to me and sought me, all those times of tongues, that you just, you just cashed in that day. You cashed in that when we pray and we cry out, do we really believe that God listens to us? And since we know that He listens to us, do we really believe, according to 1 John, that He hears us? And that He hears the cry of our heart and does what He wants to do. Some of you might be thinking, you know, I know of wonderful Christians who've prayed just as many prayers over their children as, as you have, but maybe it didn't turn out the way that, the way that we wanted it to turn out. And all I can say to them is, I, I don't know why. And maybe we might not know a lot of the answers till we see him again. But until then, I just know this, is that God is good. And that He's for us. And that He's, he's Jehovah Nisi, our provider. And that His plan is better than my plan. Good, bad, and ugly. But that God is longing for us. He wants us. Susanna said all, all the time, she said, I just hope we didn't cash in on all of our chips. Because I'm sure we're going to need more. In fact, I can tell you right now, with the, you know, we need a lot more intervention with preparation of this wedding. <laughs> Lord, help us. Well, better yet, Lord, help her. <laughs> but I think about the choices, the good choices long for a partnership of greater intimacy with the Father. That produces trust beyond our own ability and understanding. The choices that we make to seek Him. The choices that we make to petition Him. The choices that we make to set our hearts for Him. Produce good things. Oswald Chambers said this. The purpose, is pr- the purpose of prayer is that we get a hold of God. Not that we necessarily get the answer. That he just wants us, that we get a hold of him. You know, I was at one of our 555 men's fraternity prayer meetings, or our men's meeting, which is our men's ministry of our Every Nation Church in Nashville, Bethel. When one of the guys was telling me the story about his dad, and he was just saying this some time back. He said, my dad has a history of blockages and heart problems. He went to the ER Saturday night with chest pains. After five hours, they determined that he had a heart attack. The doctors came in at 3 a.m. and he said that we know that we are dealing with blockages and we need to do an emergency, uh, an arteriogram or however you pronounce it. I remembered you sharing when your daughter was in your wreck and you just said, Lord, just give me the doc, give me the best case scenario. Well, you know what I did? I said the same thing to the doctor. I said, Doc, just give me the best case scenario. And so he said, "Well, the best case scenario would we, we we would be able to see the new blockages and fix them." When he left, I prayed over my dad and told him, "Dad, that's not the best case. The best case would be that this was just stress and that you would have no new damage in your heart." They called in several doctors, and at 4:30 a.m. they came out and said, "You know, we can't find any new blockages. It was stress related, and we're going to release your dad." And he just looked at me, he said, we were both in shock, but not shock. <laughs> See, so many times we dare to believe God that he's hearing us, and we petition him, and we cry out to him, and then we're kind of shocked when he answers us. He said this, he said, that moment, thanks for sharing your story, it gave me a chance to believe with my dad. He said, I've had a rocky relationship with him in the last five years, and this was a miraculous moment between he and I on his life to recovery and recovery of our own relationship. Let me tell you something. God knows what you need even before you ask. This morning, I believe that what my hope and faith is that we're, we're, we're going to see that we're invited by God to go deeper in our partnership with Him through prayer. Good choices move us from sometimes to all times where we don't lose heart. Just keep filling your bucket. Just keep petitioning and crying out and filling up your heart. Every opportunity, because when you need it, you're going to be able to cash in. George Mueller was born in 1805 in the kingdom of Prussia. He spent the early part of his life running from God. But while he was at the university... He was converted and dedicated his life to serve God as a missionary. During his life, he cared for 10,024 orphans. He started 117 schools. He educated 122,000 students. He supported 187 missionaries. He distributed 282,000 Bibles, 1,000,000. 500,000 New Testaments and 112 million religious books. And yet he never told anyone of his own personal need nor any of the ministry's needs. He just only told God, and God honored him and anointed him. Mueller was also a great example of perseverance. Here's an example from his own diary. In November 1844, I began to pray for the conversion of five individuals. I prayed every day without a single intermission, whether I was sick or in health, on the land and the sea or whatever the pressures of my engagements might be. Eighteen months elapsed before the first of the five were converted. I thanked God and prayed on for the others. Five years elapsed, and then the second was converted. I thank God for the second and prayed on for the others. Day by day, I continued to pray for them. Six years passed before the third was converted. I thank God for the three and went on praying for the other two. However, these other two remained unconverted. 36 years later. 36 years later. He wrote, I hope in God. I pray on. I look for the answer. They are not converted yet, but they will be. Finally, in 1897, 52 years. After Mueller began to pray, these two men were finally converted. After Mueller died, one of the men, seeing Mueller's coffin being lowered into the ground, received a revelation of eternity and was converted on the spot. That's perseverance. Mueller said to learn strong faith is in to endure great trials. I've developed my faith by persevering amid severe testings. A good choice, making good choices, say my priorities will change immediately. And I too will make inti- intimacy with my God, my life's purpose. Partnership with God through prayer. Number two, partnership with our hearts through giving. Mother Teresa said, It's not how much we give, but how much we love we put into our giving. Jesus turned to his disciples in Luke chapter 6, and he said this He said, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. A good choice starts in giving. It's giving of our heart with gratitude and naturally flows into generosity. And when we have that heart to give, when we have a heart to, to give above ourselves and go beyond ourselves and, and do things beyond us, that's when God really kicks in of blessing. John Bunyan said, you've not lived today until you have done something for someone who can never repay you. Winston Churchill says, we make... A living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Give, but give until it hurts. Money is like manure. Thornton Wilder said, money is like manure. It's not worth a thing unless it's spread around enough. Encouraging other things to grow. The great Lottie Moody said this people cannot go as missionaries unless they're sent by the prayers and giving of concerned Christians. That same Lottie Moody in the late 1800s, who proposed a week of prayer for foreign missions and spent in a special Christmas missions offering through the Southern Baptist churches, which has raised over $1.5 billion for mission outreaches worldwide. One man had a bit vision and a dream and a purpose. Helen Keller said this. She said, I'm only one, but I'm still one. I cannot do everything, but I still can do something. I will not refuse to do something I can do. And if someone who was blind and deaf knew that she could do something, surely we can. You know, in our prayer meeting this morning, in our in our service at the beginning of the meeting, as my phone went off at 9:38, 938, 938 really is, is an alarm I set that I really pray for missionaries and pray for the harvest. I was introduced to this several months ago by one of our missionaries in, in, um, in Europe. Matthew 9:38 says, "To beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest." And now, across our Every Nation family, there's thousands of people that have set their alarm at 9.38. Either in the morning or at night, and praying for missionaries. Praying for workers. Praying for harvesters. Praying for God to do something. And sometimes, the people are giving $9.38. They're just saying, you know what, I want to do a part. You know, and maybe my challenge to us this morning is that, you know, set your clock at 9.38. Pray for our campus missionaries. Pray for those missionaries that we've sent out from this church. Pray and believe God that we would have more. And I'll just say this. Do it for 30 days. Don't do it for the rest of your life. Do it for 30 days and then just obey God at the end of 30 days of what you're going to keep doing. But there's something about partnering with God. Partnering with God through prayer. Partnering with God through giving. I love that, you know, our, one of our Every Nation Churches, our Bethel Murfreesboro. I got a call from the children's pastor about, about six months ago. She said, we're going to do a campaign with our children. We want to we create magnets for missionaries. We want to we do things that we want our young children to pray for missionaries. And we want them to fill their piggy banks and do this to be, be car, to be created missional people. And then I want you to come and, and give a, an update of, about some of our missionaries and, and things that were going on. And we want our families and to teams to just do this for 30 days and see what God could do. And I'm telling you, to see these young children in the hallways grabbing magnets of missionaries and praying and saying, man, I'm working the lemonade stand and I'm doing this because I want to participate with God. I want to partner with God in my giving, in my doing, in my being a part of this great commission. You know, when I meet new people and challenge them to be a part of Missions and the ministry and different things. I simply share with them what, the, what we're doing and give them an opportunity. An opportunity to get involved in something they, they'll never do on their own. I just tell them to jump into my suitcase and let's go together. I got a buddy of mine, he said, listen, you be the airplane and I'll provide the jet fuel that gets you there. Another one says, man, you go and you shoot the guns and I'll keep bringing the bullets. You go to the front lines and I'll be the supply lines. I might not be on the front lines, but without me, you can't do what God's called you to do. And without you, lives won't be changed. So let's just do it together. Partnership with God through prayer. Partnership with God through giving. And finally, the last thing, number three, partnership with others through going. Mark chapter 16 They, the team, Jesus said they, there were some, uh, they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word with signs that followed. They went out. There's something about doing something together. There's something about a team. There's something about relying on someone else and really doing things together. I was an athlete in college and I played a on a team sport, and there's nothing like the rush of competing together for a prize and a goal and a, and a, and a dream. Something about doing something together. All of us participating. Of praying and giving. and Some of us even going. Because I believe that 10 days and missions will change your life as you go. It will change this church and it will change the world. You know, this year we're celebrating... This year in 2016, we're celebrating 10 years with 10 days. 10 days, we've said, we sent out nearly 60 teams to 18 nations. We've had over 1,800 participants from 8 years old to 78 years old. And everywhere in between. This year, we've got new trips to uh, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, our new church plant, our Every Nation Church in, uh, in um Kennesaw, Georgia. We've got a new trip. We're our first trip, we're going to Madrid, Spain. We've got our first trip to Klung Napoca, Romania. We're going to Romania this year, just because of a Macedonian call. A young college student said, Come to my nation. So, what do we do? We go. As they're crying out and they're calling, and there's so many opportunities. We're even doing this year, with in celebration of our, our world conference in Cape Town, Africa. We're going to Namibia, in the midst of that, with together of going to these nations and do why? Because the the harvest is plentiful. They're calling us to go. The Great Commission is that we, as a people, will go. But I'm just telling you today. The last thing I want to talk about is our trip coming up that we are doing together as a church. In fact, your very own pastor, Pastor Peter, is one of the guys that's helping lead us back to Baja, Mexico. In Baja, Mexico, we're going to build churches. We're going to build houses. We're going to do street ministry. We're going to do things, uh, camps with the school kids and different things. And my, my prayer today is that we go together. All of us are going to pray. Some of us are going to give. But I believe many of us, by the droves, are really going to say, I'm going to go. Take your son with you. Go as a connect group. Go as a family. Just make a decision to go. Pastor Peter, next week, is going to be kicking off our series on Job about going and different things. And I wanted to throw this out this morning. I wanted to, to throw this out this morning because I want you to be praying about this trip to Baja, Mexico. How many of you have been on a mission trip? Now look at the hand. No, this is significant. If you've been on a mission trip from this church, I want you to stand up right where you're at. I want you to look around that we as a people... man, I, Come on, we got to give ourselves a hand. I want you to ask them after this service if missions change their life. Just ask them. Don't take my word for it. But ask them. But my prayer and my hope is this trip as we see June 8th to the 13th. Here's my prayer for you. Don't pray if you should be going on the trip. Pray if you're to stay home. I want you to pray whether or not you should stay home. Jesus told us to go. So, so many times we think, well, you know, I I need to pray about whether I should go. Just obey God. Just obey the Great Commission. And I'm not saying, God, don't, don't get me, you know, we got 12 trips. I can't go on every trip. No, don't go on every trip. But let me tell you something. If we as a people decide, you know, every three years... Or every five years that every one of us are going to participate, watch what would happen. See, I believe that missions is one of the greatest forms of discipleship. It gets you out of your comfort zone. It gets you out of the box to let you see that God's heart is really bigger than San Marcos. Even though we love San Marcos. But you know what What happens is when you go to the nations and when you connect with people that are not like you, that don't talk like you, that are a little bit different than you or something, what happens is that then that gives you a burden in a heart for your own neighborhood. Because God expands you. And He does something inside of you. Partnership with others through going. And they preached everywhere. Where does everywhere mean? Everywhere means everywhere. I never thought I would go into a small village in Haiti, but that's exactly where I was a few years back. We pulled our chicken truck into a remote village in Carey's where we brought 800 pounds of rice and beans where we were to feed these beautiful people. And I'm telling you, we pulled this truck up and literally within five minutes there was four hundred people. Just we pulled into a into a field and they just came. And I'll never forget we had our team out there and they were ministering and 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 and, and, and preaching the gospel. We had an interpreter and different things were going on. We were telling our two-minute miracle and different things would happen, but I'll never forget there was a young man by, by the name of John. That was I guess his American name and, you know, he gave his life to the Lord right then. And we were to meet him back at the hotel and to the beach the next day so that he could get baptized. But because where we were staying, there was security, he couldn't get in. So all of a sudden, in the afternoon, I see this man dry, rowing a rowboat around the bay because he couldn't get in. He went and borrowed a neighbor's rowboat to come and meet us so he could get baptized. My heart, just I be just began to weep and to see. and I, Those pictures and those moments, I'll never forget. People ask me all the time, and I've probably been on 50 mission trips. And they ask me, man, where's your favorite place? And you know what I say? The last place I was. Because there's a different moment or there's something different. You, you, you know, I still see St. Petersburg, Russia. I still remember the villages in Africa. I still think about Mumbai, India, and the streets of these, these homeless kids, or the college campuses in Lima, Peru, or the Amazon jungle of Terra Poto and different things, or the campus right here at San Marcos, yes. at Texas State. Every place that God takes us and releases us and launches us is a place that He has for us. If we would just go. And they went out and preached everywhere. They went out and preached everywhere. Well, the Lord worked with them and confirmed the Word with signs that followed. Do we really believe that Jesus... You know of Jesus in Acts chapter 10, as I'm about ready to close... Of Jesus of Nazareth. How God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power. How he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Do you really believe that G, what Jesus said in John 14, that if, if he anointed him and sent him out with power and he went about doing good and healing. But what about what John 14 says when Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works will he do. Man, if he went out in power and he saw miracles and he saw things that happened, but he said, it's better that I'm going away because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and you're going to do greater things with me. Praise God. You know, what? you need to ask my man, Tyler Snelson. Tyler Snelson is a part of our new church plan in San Marcos. Um, San Marcos in San Antonio. <laughs> it's about five years ago or... Maybe even more. Six years ago. Tyler was a student at, at Midland College. One of our churches there. And he was, he was on our mission trip to Baja, Mexico. And I'll never forget. We were out in the streets the first day we were there. And we were going door to door and ministering and, and, and preaching the gospel. And they came across a, a gentleman who had just had a stroke. He couldn't walk. He needed a cane and he was... He was very difficult and different t- challenge of walking. And they, I'll never forget that night <clears throat> as we came back and we were on the beach and he was, he was recounting of what happened, of, of how these men were praying and just these young students were just crying out for this man. And they were praying for him and in the natural nothing happened as they were telling this story of how they they went up to his house and knock, and they were just weeping, just the, the spirit of compassion that was on these young men. And they looked at me, and they said, Pastor Greg, can we go back tomorrow and pray for him again? I said, absolutely. And they went back the next day on Friday. They prayed for him again, and again in the natural. Nothing happened. Saturday came around, and we did a big fiesta where we had 500 kids and families, and we were feeding just by the droves and doing kids' games and and this young this this gentleman came there and w- with his crutches and not really able to to get there and that they, they prayed for him again and again, nothing happened well, the very next day was the day we dedicated the church and it was a celebration and very exciting and the church was built up on Uh, you know, up on a hill so he couldn't get up there. But he came to the church service that morning as we were dedicating and celebrating and have baptisms of the week of people that got saved. That's what I'm telling you, what happens in Baja. And sure enough, as as these young students saw him and Tyler, they ran down and they picked this man up and carried him up the hill so that he could be a part of the service. And I'll never forget this, is that we were there and We were worshiping God and hearing testimonies. And the time came for us to pray for the locals. And we were beginning to pray for the locals. And what did Tyler do? He went right for this man again. And with my own eyes, I saw them pray for this man. I saw him take his crutches and throw them down and start running around the church. Jumping and leaping and praising God. Well, what did we do? We all fell on our face. Because we saw God's love and grace and power manifested. You know, many times people go on vacations or they go on trips and they bring back souvenirs. You know what Tyler brought back? He brought back that crutch. And he brought that back on his Southwest Airlines flight. And he put it in the overhead bin. And every single person was asking, what is the crutch? And he told the story. He preached the whole plane. In fact, he still has that crutch. It was at that moment that he really felt the call of God on his life. And now he's a church planner. Now he's answered the call. Now he's saying, let me tell you something. God wants us to partnership, partner with him as we go. Partnership with God through prayer. Partnership with our hearts through giving. And partnership with others through going. My prayer this morning as we close. And then I'm going to have Pastor Peter come up. But my prayer is this. Is that God would give us real lasting change. That something would happen to us today as we see missions. As we see the kingdom. As we see the responsibility that we have as followers of Christ. I pray that God would break in our hearts and give us greater intimacy with Him. I pray that He would break through our doubts and fears and let us see all that He has for us. And I pray that He would break out among us and that His power would be shown like never before. Let me pray as we close. Father, this morning, Lord, we just thank you for your love. We thank you for your drawing. We thank you for your plan that you have for us. And that we, number one, don't have to do it alone, but we get to do it with you. And number two, we get to do it with one another. Lord, I pray that you would light us on fire. Light our hearts on fire. That we could watch. And that a generation could watch us burn.